0: Restaurant Unstoppable Episode 151. Are you ready for it? it Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatori in and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Darren Dennington. Darren, are you feeling unstoppable this morning?
1: Absolutely, Eric.
0: I can't (laughs) wait to get started. Yes, all right. Uh, Darren has over 30 years of experience in the hospitality industry and has an extensive background as a food and beverage director, executive chef, general manager, restaurant owner, staff trainer, and consultant. Nowadays, you can find Darren serving as founder of Service With Style Hospitality Group, a hospitality firm offering secret shopping, restaurant coaching, and team training services. Darren, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you're all about. I can't wait to learn more about you and how you got into the industry, but why don't you get us started with that inspirational, motivational quote or mantra?
1: Well, I guess, Eric, the quote that I use, the, the only one that I use in my presentations is, is one that's truly deep, truly to myself. I, I believe in it absolutely, and it's, leadership is not a position. It's an action. And what I feel in the industry right now is that if you want to drive your restaurant, if you really want that success that you, that you planned on, that you can vision, you have to have a strong management team. What I see is that the teams are divided and nobody's working together. Young managers try to command leadership. They they try to command the respect. Mm. They cannot lead anybody until they have the respect of their staff. So Mm. it's not a position, just because you're the general manager, doesn't mean that your team is gonna respect you. You've gotta go out and earn that leadership and that respect by your actions that you partake in every single day.
0: I can't wait to kind of ask some more questions on this. I think we will dive into that when I ask you about how to keep people on your team. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, many times people in that leadership position, they don't just, you know, they they earn it. And then they get put in those positions because the people who own or manage see that they have it. And I I totally agree with you that it's not a position. It's an action. And, uh, yeah. Awesome stuff. Great way to start the interview. So let's find out more about you uh, and how you got into this industry. Over 30 years experience, Like, when did you know that this was going to be more than just a job, but your career?
1: Well, what's really funny is this morning I just posted a, a new blog to my website, and it actually starts off with that. It, it starts off with where I found my passion in the in the business, and it started at, at home in, in the kitchen with, with my mom, cooking Christmas dinners and when I was 13, I got my first job in the industry, and I haven't looked back. It's it's the only industry I've ever worked in. And you name a position, I've done it. And what was
0: that first job? Say again. What was that first job?
1: It was flipping burgers, oh. and then I then I went to washing dishes, and then I went to bus and tables. Nice. And I, I guess my one of my favorite jobs ever was at the Sheraton Brock Hotel in Niagara Falls, Canada and all through high school for about four years I worked there. And that was the job that really said, what do you want to go to? What, what industry do you truly want to want to learn? And I always say I, I found my passion young, so I went and got a, a good education in the industry. I mean, Food and beverage management degree and certified chef de cuisine, and I'm a certified food and beverage executive through the Hotel Motel Association. So I felt that I, I wanted that educational background. I, I wanted to understand the industry and not just get thrown into these different positions so uh you you name it from owning restaurants to area director to food and beverage manager i just i thoroughly love the business i I just one of those guys that genuinely loves hospitality and the title of my my blog today was it's in my blood
0: i love it i mean bring me back to the time speaking of it being in your blood you said it it all started in the kitchen with your mom and I have a feeling this runs in the history of your family, but like what was going on with these experiences with your mom? Like what were you, what, what do you remember? What were you feeling? Why is it so special to you?
1: It had nothing to do with the meal. For me, it had to do with how everybody else was enjoying it. So mm. I remember racing through the meal so that I could jump up and, and start clearing dishes and I could start to refill their drinks and, and get the the bread basket refilled those type of things i just always loved the excitement of events and christmas dinner obviously is a an event Mm. and i just like everybody else enjoying it so the the service piece of it really stuck with me and my first company ever was also called service with style Mm. and i opened that in 1990 and it was a, a catering company so service is what i know what i love what i live for
0: and then you said when you were uh, a teenager working at this hotel that's when you really knew that you were going to make this career what was it about that experience as a teenager at the hotel was there one moment where you, that you know one experience one story where you just remember thinking this is it
1: well i was thrown into somewhat of a managerial role very young i was 15 years old and i became the head porter so we had 11 or 12 banquet rooms throughout the hotel, and I had seven or eight porters that were setting up and tearing down these rooms and setting up for all the meetings. And a lot of what I now implement in my life was learned from experiences back then. So the jobs that I thoroughly enjoyed in that hotel was the massive banquets, the, the serving the 12 and 1,500 people. and. And doing the weddings and the, the garmanger work and the, the, the high volume, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And when college started to begun a topic, I instantly looked for hotels and restaurants and ultimately decided on food and beverage management
0: awesome i love it and i really do and i totally can resonate with what you're saying when you can when you said you reflected back that time spent in the kitchen with your mother and, and not being about the food but it's about the people and how you make you know, how you can make people feel and i used to think i love cooking and i do really enjoy it but it wasn't until my early 20s my mid-20s that i realized that it's it's making people happy. It's bringing people together and creating memories that I love, that I truly am passionate about. So I totally understand where you're coming from, and I, I, uh, I can't wait to, to dive into what makes you so successful. So tell me, if you could narrow it down, Darren, to like one, two, or three it factors, habits, or characteristics that you think most contribute to your success, what would they be? It's
1: the things that I learned early. When I go back to the, the Sheraton Brock, I, I remember so vividly. I was literally getting ready for high school, and I, I was in grade 10. And my pager goes off. That's how long ago this was. And I, I call back to the hotel, and there's my boss on the other land, end of the line, and he's screaming at me because the American room wasn't set up, and he's got 35 people standing out front that are supposed to be coming into a meeting. And I remember coming back to him say, well. John and Mike were there last night. They were supposed to set up, and he he laid into me so strong. He says, that's your responsibility. That's why I hired you to manage this team. So I'm literally skipping school, hoping that mom doesn't find out, and I'm driving to work. And I'm, I'm thinking, how could these guys not set up the room? What did I do wrong? And as soon as I said, what did I do wrong, I realized that all I passed on to them was verbal. I talked to them about it, and they simply forgot. So implementing systems Mm. became a very big point. That was the very first time in my life that I said, we need a checklist for every single thing that we do every day. And every single restaurant that I've ever worked in since, I've implemented a checklist. Mm -hmm. So then I I float over to a fantastic job that I had in between college years was in a a dynamite high-end restaurant out in New Brunswick. And we were were honored to have the chef of the year as our our chef for the summer. And I was going through this training before the restaurant was opening. It was in a beautiful hotel. And for two and a half or three days, all we talked about was food, Mm -hmm. food, food, food. It was pairing. It was what wines went with it. It was what spices. And although it was fantastic training, We then got ready to open the restaurant the next morning. I remember turning to the food and beverage director and I said, we don't even know what our table numbers are. We don't know (laughs) the computer. We haven't talked service at all. Yeah. So I ended up convincing him to close down for breakfast the next two days, and we talked training, service, service, service. And that was the point of my life that I said training is such a big deal. So implementing training manuals. So I guess to answer your question – it's systems, mm. the systems that I put in place, but the biggest thing that I feel like I've done in my career is I look at it as a full team. I don't look at it as myself trying to run the restaurant or three or four managers. I look at the 25 people and say, all of us work here, every single one of us, including the dishwasher, the cooks, the servers, the bartenders, the GM, we all benefit from the increase of business. We all benefit from running a good, smart, solid restaurant. So Mm. what can we do together? So that's kind of my philosophy is you need a good, strong management team, absolutely. But you have to get the 25 people on board with what they're doing. So one of my favorite tips or tricks or tools or systems, whatever you want to label it, is an action list. So every single employee understands that here's just three or four things this week that I need you to take care of above and beyond. A dishwasher is not going to take it upon himself to go defrost the walk-in or the chest freezer, or the cook's not going to go in and clean the walk-in. Nobody's going to scrub down the back dock if you don't ask them. Mm -hmm. And management just doesn't have the time to continue to pass on these tasks. Mm -hmm. So an action action list says to me that here's what I want to do on Monday. Let's get the 25 members. And then the key to this, and this is where it all comes together for me, is that this allows the management to be working on a higher level of tasks. For me, as an independent restaurant owner, there's three things that I have to be focused on. Financials, marketing, and growth. I have to know my numbers. I've got to be the one trying to drive people into the restaurant. And then growth. Where's the company going? And growth doesn't just mean new locations or bigger and better, but maybe it's a new catering menu. Maybe it's a new takeout program. How, how is the company growing?
0: Yeah, and so just to, to tap into, how can you stay fresh? So many people, they get stale, and like that's when you're doing all these things. You're looking to the future, visioning. Like, How do we stay fresh? Sorry to interrupt, but awesome. Keep going.
1: So it's when the management can work on the higher level, two things happen. Obviously, more sales and a, and a better profit loss statement comes from it, but it also floats over to... A major problem that we have in our industry We're burning out our managers We're working them 65, 70, 80 hour work weeks
0: Yeah It's and ridiculous
1: a, It really is so and as, as a young manager that's what I did As a 22, 25 year old kid Absolutely What I realized is that You can't come in fresh And with a great morale And leading other people If you don't get that mental break If you don't, your body doesn't fully rest so you may be able to do 70 or 80 hour weeks for a couple of months. Absolutely. You're running on adrenaline and, hey, it's a new restaurant. This is new and exciting. It De- gets frost-
0: old fast. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. It
1: hits you pretty hard. Oh, man. Yeah, it, hits you, yep, it hits you really hard when you realize that you're the guy that's changing the light bulbs. You're the guy that's defrosting the freezer. You're the guy that's mm. unloading the truck from the back. Yeah. So I need my 25 employees doing more so I can work on the things that I have to.
0: I I mean, I love it. You're giving us so much great advice. And, I mean, one book that keeps coming to mind is The E-Myth. If you guys haven't – I mean, it comes up often on the show. But if you haven't heard of it, you have to read The E-Myth. And what I'm hearing from you, Darren, is that you need to make system-dependent businesses, not people-dependent businesses. Systems don't burn out. People do. And uh, you can make – you're just everybody just work will work so much happier if they can if you can show them the way if you can give them that checklist and there's so many tools we can use today to make it automated just like online with like Google Calendar setting alerts like to those monthly alerts to do the, those little things like clean the refrigerator like set a day and have an alert go off and have your manager you know remind them work it into your checklist there's like so many little things you can do awesome stuff um and you already gave us the story so.
1: If you could take a cook that, that really likes you and, and respects you and, and wants to be there, mm. you can take 10 minutes and train him on how many light bulbs you want stocked in the restaurant, where you buy the light bulbs, when you change them, how you pay for them, where you go get them, and take 10 minutes to train him on light bulbs. It sounds so stupid, but I don't want to be on the ladder changing light bulbs. Mm. And if I can take 10 minutes and instill the qualities into this person that he needs to change the light bulbs, give them all the tools. Then I walk away from it and I never think about light bulbs again.
0: Yeah. Danny Meyer says, you know, it's our job as managers to give what we're doing is serving those underneath us or those above us, depending on how you look at it to, um, give them the tools so they can do their job. And that's what people, when you're, when you're the person doing all the work, you don't have the time to create the tools. So, I mean, it's, it's all great stuff. And, uh, I, mean, I could talk on and on about this, but we have to find out about your failure, Darren. I mean, t- you told us about your it factor, be able to create systems and the, this team attitude that you have. But now talk to us about a time where you just failed hard and just fell hard on your fanny. And what did you learn from this experience and how did you get back up?
1: Well, it, it does really tie back into what we've been talking about. But I remember as a, a young guy, I was opening on the opening management team of a a steakhouse chain, and we're open location after location after location, and I sat back and had a conversation with my wife, and, and this is where it really hit home, and we were talking about our third year anniversary, so we've now been married 24 years, so 20 years ago or so, and we were talking about where we were going, and I was finding it very strange because she was mentioning this to me months in advance of our anniversary. So one always playing the day, and one always got the gift. So she's telling me she's taking me for this beautiful trip, and I thought, oh, that sounds fantastic. And, and my mind's instantly going to, how are we going to pay for this? Mm. So she took a part-time job without me even knowing it. So a, as a man, I, I felt very uh, belittled and, and couldn't believe, but thankfully I've got the, the right better half with me, and she was doing it for the right reasons. But I was opening these steakhouses, And she turned to me and she says, do you realize how many hours you worked last week? I said, oh, it must have been 70 or or 80. She said, Darren, it was 103 hours that you were at the restaurant last week. And you you put everything into it. So that's when I looked at I was failing my family. Mm. Now, at that time, I I didn't have kids, but we were starting to, to plan that. And I just thought, there's no way I can possibly do this. And find the balance in in life so i was enjoying my job but i just wasn't finding the balance Mm -hmm. so what i've learned is to have everybody else do their job as part of leadership i need to pick them up and pull the best out of them but i also need to find that balance if i'm going to stay focused and really enjoy what i do i talk a lot about passion I present at almost every major food show across the country, and, and one of the things that I feel so strongly about is passion. Mm. And I talk that my passion in life is my wife and my daughter, and that's where I want to spend my time and my energy, but I have to work. Like 99% of people in the restaurant industry, we have to financially support ourselves. So I found that balance that I put my passion and my energy into what I do, and it comes out when I'm with my family. It comes out when I'm at home because I I found that balance and I put my passion into it.
0: Mm, I love it. I mean, I I would say probably 70% of the failures that are shared on this podcast have something to do with a semblance of balance. Whether it be a semblance of balance between family and work or you open a second location and then it's a semblance of balance between each location. But almost every time, the answer seems to be the lesson learned is systems processes procedures. you need to get those in place, and I think it 's just ironic that you talk about that being your if factor, then you lead into the semblance of balance and I feel like the uh, the lesson learned here, and i don 't want to you know uh, th- put words into your mouth I mean, do you think that your ability to develop this, these systems helped with that
1: with the systems but also right in line with that is developing the people. Mm. You have to have the right people, absolutely, and that's a two-hour conversation if you want
0: to keep going. (laughs) Maybe another day. You're always welcome back. We'll uh, we'll tap into that. All right, man. We uh, crushed the first half of this interview. You're doing great, giving us great stories and advice. Now we're going to dive into the knowledge bombs. You're ready to blow us away. Of course. All right, let's Let's, do it. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I'll see what you got. The first question I have for you is, what is your advice for funding a restaurant and getting that initial capital to start?
1: If you're going to approach me and you want to start a restaurant and you're looking at at me as potentially investing, whether I'm your father, your brother, your best friend, or a capital venture list that, that you've never met before, you have to show me some type of plan. Unfortunately, there's been massive failure in our restaurant industry. So putting money into it, almost everybody is skeptical. Obviously, we've got a major challenge with banks. So when you plan, that's what I want to see. I do not want you to come to me and say, I found a great location. Well, you're already four steps too far. You need to stop (laughs) and backtrack because the second that you find a location, and you sign a lease because it feels right, that's when you set yourself up to fail. You need to step back and create a a potential budget. You need to look at five or six locations and say, what's the best value that I can get out of these? So I need to see a a budget for every potential location and I, I need to see what your build out is gonna be. I need to see how many square feet you're gonna be doing. For me square footage usually goes to, I need to do about $225 a square foot for a location to work. There's a lot of different variables there, but that's a a starting number that I want to see, about $225 a square foot. Unfortunately, one thing that a lot of people struggle with is trying to forecast for sales. And they go on that great gut feeling, look, this is a fantastic location. Everybody's going to love us. We're going to do $4 million a year in sales, <laughs> and you plan everything based on this, and then you open up, and you're, you're on track now to do $2.2 million in sales, and you just can't rebound fast mm. enough. So when you're planning a management team, when you're planning equipment, when you're planning your overall expenses, you've got to have a strong budget forecast that says, here's how I'm going to rebound if sales are this or here. So you want my money, you better come with a plan.
0: I love it. One of my favorite quotes from this, in, from this podcast from a, a past guest was, work your plan, plan your work. And uh, I love it. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And it's awesome stuff. So the next question I have for you is, uh, what advice do you have for hiring people? What are we looking for? What are we asking? Uh, like, where are we looking? Talk to us.
1: Oh, this is a big one for me, Eric. One of my favorite presentations that I give is called Building a Winning Hospitality Team in 10 Simple Steps. It's a full plan. It's not just one or two tips, but when we zone in just to hiring, first thing I say is that if I'm interviewing for 10 jobs, I feel I could personally get a minimum of nine of those. All I have to do is search a a few Google videos about how to interview right, I can look at your website, and I can search you, and I can pick out a couple key words. If you're interviewing me for a kitchen manager, and I throw out recipe costing cards or prime cost, you automatically assume that I must know everything. Wow, he's talking about exactly what's important to us right now. So you get this type of person that has completely bluffed you during mm-hmm. the interview. This is why two months later you say, how did we hire this guy? And you start to move on. Well, that's a very costly decision. So where I like to start, number one, is a round of interview questions, okay? I usually break it into about six or seven categories. During the interview, what I wanna do is I'm trying to pull the right information out of you. So I break it down into three areas, skills, knowledge, and character. Okay? I can talk to you about skills, and we can look at your resume, and, and I can interview for, for your past knowledge. But character, I really struggle with. So there's a couple of good programs out there that can dive into interviewing for character. But my policy is that I hire slow, and I fire fast. If they're not right for the team, the culture, where we're going as a company, I need to move on from them. But I set myself up for a good, solid interview. Every single person has to be interviewed by two different managers. They have to come back for a second visit. What happens is, again, if I'm interviewing to work for you, my goal is to make you feel comfortable. You're interviewing me, but I turn it around and ask you a couple simple questions. If I can just find what you're passionate about and ask a few follow-up questions and I get you to feel comfortable, well, I must be the best candidate in the world because you're having a great time interviewing me, Mm -hmm. but I don't have the skills and the knowledge. So you take it serious. I'm the guy that's been known to interview 26, 27 people before I hire one server. I take my time and I do it right, but it's a team decision. I never do it by myself. Mm. Owning my own restaurant, I don't have the power to hire anybody. It has to go through at least a second person.
0: I love it. Um, Can I summarize or do you still have more? Uh, there's a lot more. <laughs> I, know. I don't want to cut you short but, but what I heard was uh, you know you people can fool you because they can just do a google search they can lay some big words on you and get you you know thinking they know what's going on so you know put the time and effort in I love how you mentioned to not just look for skill and knowledge but to also look for character because especially if it's front of house I mean that character that attitude that personality is what's gonna make people want to, to come back even in the back of house too like is this person gonna work well with others and I mean, also, I love how you mentioned uh, hire slow, fire fast. Sometimes, like, we we hang on to people because we don't want to go out and find somebody to replace them, but they can infect the entire team, and you have that one bad egg there, you know, it just can it skunks everybody out. So, I mean, I thought that was great, too, and all awesome stuff. uh, Well,
1: and the one biggest character trait that I hire for is attitude. Mm. I feel that I can personally train a really good server, I I can train a a person to be a good line cook, but I can't teach them how to bring in a good attitude. Mm-hmm. So that's a big piece. And coming back on that second interview, a lot of times the job offer is made after the person leaves. So let's go back to the position I mentioned earlier. You're hiring for a kitchen manager. Mm-hmm. So you you interview them, and a couple people talk about it. Then we call him on the phone or her. And we say, hey, we're, we're really excited. We've uh, decided to make you the job offer. We would love for you to come to work for us starting Monday, and your starting salary is going to be $35,000. Mm-hmm. So on the other end of the phone, this person's thinking, oh, are you kidding me? 35000 I need like forty-five, even." Mm. And instantly it goes through their head. I don't have a job right now. My rent is due next week. Mm-hmm. My, car, my car air conditioner is broke. I need money, and they don't have another opportunity, so they say yes. Mm-hmm. I want to come to a verbal agreement when it's done in person. I need to read your body language, and if the money isn't going to match, then I can instantly see that disappointment on your face. Yeah. I can read that, and very quickly I can maneuver around – with something like well one of my goals here today is to make sure that the position is right for you and i'm very happy with you and i feel like we might not be on the same page with the money so i wish you a lot of luck and and take care what genuinely happens is if they say yes and they start working this is the person that you're shaking your head six weeks down the road saying i just trained this guy for six weeks i can't believe he found another job yeah it's it's because when he was interviewing with you, he still had eight or ten other resumes out there. Mm. And t- timing wasn't right, so somebody calls him in a couple weeks, he quietly interviews, goes through the process, and now he gets his 45000 so he leaves you, which tend- tends to cost you about $1,900 wow. for, a- for a regular employee. And about $4,000 for a manager. Well, and just
0: a lot of time, too, which is you can't put a price on time. I mean, that's just time wasted. So, I mean, I love what you're saying. What I'm hearing is, you know, successful people in this industry have to be proactive. And I think so often people just try to blame the world for when things don't go well. And it's just like, dude look around what are you doing to make sure things go well like are you is it the world or is it you so awesome stuff I love it great advice Uh, so when you find these incredible people the people that want to be on your team that are right for you how do you keep them on your team Darren
1: that to me goes to the the second level of, of building this team again I want this person as happy with me as I am with them to build this full team that I'm talking about where everybody cares where this person truly respects me, they they respect Darren, they care about what I'm doing, they care about the restaurant, they care about us as a whole. There's several steps that you need to follow. And first, if I can just roll through a couple of them, if that's okay. Yeah, please. The, The first one is coaching, okay? I've got to give the resources and the encouragement and the tools and the training. I've got to make sure that I'm putting effort into this person so that they're completely up to speed. Then it's evaluating. A lot of restaurants don't evaluate employees based on it takes too much time and effort, and they they just can't even think about that. Well, I want to sit down and evaluate them. I want them to know what's going great, what's not going so so great. And we talk about this evaluation of what opportunities they have. Then I go to a one-on-one meeting. This is one of my favorites because I sit down with the employee, whether they've been there for three months or three years, the one-on-one is incredibly pertinent because if I start off very positive and think about a meeting with an employee, well, they they got to meet with their boss, so they're automatically, their back's up against the wall, and, well, what does he want, and and what did I do wrong? First thing you've got to do is start off positive, and you've got to make them feel comfortable. Mm. If you want this one-on-one to really go well, make sure that you're you're. Allowing them to settle in and, and open up their mind. Then you start with good constructive feedback. You jump into your policies and your procedures and some coaching and training, and you're openly talking about everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then then I finish really positive. And if I do this right, then the next part of it is the most crucial. Mm-hmm. I, I ask a couple open-ended questions, something along the lines of, So if you were me, is there something you might do different? Or is there anything I can do for you to make your job here a little bit better? And if you are smart enough to shut up and listen, they will talk and talk and talk, and you get some phenomenal suggestions, they're going to tell you how to fix your Wednesday night happy hour, they're going to tell you who's taking the box of shrimp out the back door, who's not washing the dishes, and you can then solve a couple of their problems then you've got somebody that wants to be there for a long time
0: mm. and when you listen, those people just feel like they're contributing too, that that taps into that higher need so well and I think just knowing that their opinion matters, knowing that you're listening to them they, they, they will want to be a part of a team like that
1: when they feel the ownership side of it, so when you go and fix the Wednesday night happy hour oh, yeah. because of their suggestions mm-hmm. and you go back now they feel part
0: of the team absolutely, absolutely. yeah I love it yep. So I have coaching, evaluating, one-on-one meetings. Are there anything else, or was there any other uh, steps you wanted to add?
1: There's two more big steps. Then it goes to the the team environment. What I feel is that, let's say you work with 30 people, okay? There's going to be two or three people that you butted heads with, okay? You pissed me off a few months ago. I'm not going to cover your shift. I'm not going to run your food. Oh, God, i got to work with this guy tonight. And they truly butt heads. Then you take about 22 or 23 of these people, and they're in your teamwork group, mm. okay? I'll well, run your food. Everything's fine. I, I kind of like working with you. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And then you then you take a small group of people that is your, your inside group. These are the ones that you're going to go golf with. The kids are going to get together. You, you might have them over to the house for a drink. What I want to teach my staff is to pull these people out of the the butt heads category and try to move a few of the teamworks into that family type of circle because when i truly care about you like when you and i are buddies eric and we're working a shift together i'm automatically running your drinks i'm busting your food i'm well, every time i walk past your table I'm, I'm looking at your guests a little bit because i care about you as a person so that teamwork gets a lot more so what i like to do to build that Number one is training. You have someone come in and you, you talk to your staff about morale and how they do this together. But then you get them out of the restaurant just every once in a while. Take them to play kickball. Take them mini-putting. Go golfing, fishing. Something simple, a, a game, game of baseball. Nothing doesn't have to be weekly, but they like to feel that camaraderie, mm. that, that team bonding. And then the last piece is growth. What I've learned is that every employee doesn't need more money. They're they're not always looking for a a higher wage. But a lot of them want growth. They want to grow as a person. They want to grow with the company. And the majority of that is done through knowledge. And for good restaurant managers, they, they need to be developing and bringing up people underneath them. So taking the time... To first understand what that person is looking for, and then take the time to grow and, and mature and, and get involved. But the only way you do that is to understand what your employees are genuinely looking for.
0: I love it. And you know, you you mentioned uh, growth and uh, that sense of belonging. Uh, those are the, those two things are the. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, at the very top, the the very most important need all humans have is self-actualization, knowing that we have a purpose in life. Then right below that is development, knowing that we're growing, knowing that we're getting better as humans, and right below that is a sense of belonging to a group or a family. And you tap into those higher needs, you're going to keep people around. They're going to... I mean, at the end of the day, as long as people are paying the bills and they have security and safety... What really matters is those, two, you know, those three things: self-actualization. And then, like you mentioned, growth and family. So that's so crucial. And I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. Awesome stuff. And uh, you said there's two more things after. So one more thing after team environment. What was it, the last thing you wanted to, to wrap up with?
1: That was growth.
0: Oh, that was growth. Oh, beautiful. That was growth. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well,
1: it, and it also goes back to what we said half an hour ago. Now, managers working too much. If you want that easier work day, you have to involve your people, so you have to understand what they want, and a lot of them want to grow.
0: Mm. I think I'm going to title this episode, The One, Two, Three, Four, Five Things You Can Do to Retain Your Employees. How does that sound?
1: That sounds great.
0: <laughs> All right. The next question I have for you, and I, I'm okay with that one going a little bit long. It was totally worth it, but the next one I have for you is on the topic of resources. I mean... You are obviously a well-educated, well-read person. What are some books that you would recommend or some online resources that are out there where we can go to invest in ourselves and to learn and grow?
1: There's obviously a lot of great books out there. The, the one that hits home with me is Good to Great. Mm. That, that, that's my favorite book. It's, it's leadership. It's building the right team. It's having the right people on the bus and then figuring out where they sit. One thing that I truly understand is that there is a different type of skill set to be a perfect general manager. I consider myself a pretty darn good operator, but I don't thrive in every single one of the different skill sets. So think about this for a second. First, I've got to be a great operator, okay? At times, I've got to be able to jump on the line, look at the 37 tickets, control the employees, get the food out, high quality turn around, work the room, kiss the babies, talk <laughs> to the tables, connect with the guests, so that that's the, the operating skill set. Then 20 minutes later, I've got to sit in an owner's meeting and go through a profit and loss statement, understanding where my prime costs are, what my marketing percentage is, where we're saving money on overtime, and then marketing, okay? Now I've got to take this great new dish that my chef created and, and somehow turn it out to the masses mm. and trigger, trigger something in their head that says, I want that. Mm. And then I've got to be a leader of people. I've got to be able to control the shift, control all my staff, and pull the best of them outside. So there's a lot of different skills that go into it. So what I see is when you understand that you don't have, at least what i found, You don't have all four of those skill sets. So you find different managers that have them. Mm -hmm. Or you go out and find a good book that says this is now the focus. This is what our team is lacking. And good to great is one of those books that will start to tie the whole thing in together for you.
0: Yeah that's that's been mentioned before on the show I have to admit I have not read it yet But you know what we're due for a talking Tuesday So maybe I can break down that book And an upcoming talking Tuesday uh, Thank you for sharing that one with us So the next question I have for you Darren Is on the topic of marketing I mean you, we just kind of touched on it a little bit um, What's your advice on marketing Where should we focus on marketing What matters
1: Driving sales mm, yeah. <laughs> Driving Sales, 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 sales. I, I kind of break this into three different little segments, okay? You, you've got your independents, your your one or two restaurants that are um, uh, doing a good job. For them, I consider it as grassroots marketing. Those are the ones that have to take advantage of New Year's Eve and Mother's Day and St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo and Dingus Day and all these simple little holidays. But obviously, we've got a massive freebie in the social media Mm. what I what I love to see is a marketing committee and that's my absolute positive favorite piece for a restaurant at all put a marketing committee together so for the independents it's much more of a grassroots it's promotions like no peeking or tablecloth night or family fun nights and you generate a lot of interest through your simple events Mm mhm then you jump to the ones that have five or six restaurants. They're, they're still the independents, but they, they've got some real good solid volume. Or the small chains that have 10, 15, 20 locations. I look at that as brand marketing. Okay? I need to build my image as a company. I need to let them know exactly what we do over all of our core values. Then you look at your chains, your, your Buffalo Wild Wings, your mm-hmm. Apple's. That's much more of a campaign marketing. Yeah. But my absolute favorite tip is, my my favorite thing to implement is a marketing committee. So what you do is you get five, six, seven employees. Two of them can be servers, one bartender, two managers, and the owner. It doesn't matter who you assemble this with. And you put them together, whether it's once a week, once a month, once a quarter. doesn't matter to me, but you start a marketing committee and you have these people involved. You have them taking ownership, and you start talking about like a social media action team where everybody on the team is going to commit to liking, commenting, sharing every single comment that's out there. They, they commit to checking in every single time they come into work. So there's a lot of different things that a marketing committee can do, but when you get five, six, seven people talking about this as a regular piece then they take ownership. The server is gonna raise their hand and say, I think we should visit all the businesses in the area. Okay, sounds like a great idea. What does everybody think? Then Mm. when everybody buys in, now they've got ownership. Then the last step is that actionable item. So who's gonna create a list of 50 businesses to go visit? Who's gonna create the the bag of brownies that we're gonna hand out? Who's gonna create the flyer that's gonna go along with them? Who's going to create the schedule for when our staff can go? Who's going to train the staff that goes out and talks to these businesses? So it's step by step by step, but a marketing committee is my absolute favorite.
0: Awesome advice. Great stuff. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about technology, Darren. Like It's no secret that the industry, or just in general, we're evolving so fast. There's tools that we can plug into our our business that are already made systems I know how much you love systems so can you think of any of these tools that can increase profitability or efficiency or anything or just effectability like what what do you have for a front of house or back of house that you've seen
1: well the second you said profitability SSP jumped into my mind smart systems pro uh you had David Scott Peters from the restaurant expert on your podcast Mm -hmm. he has what I consider my favorite piece of technology it is a prime cost tracker. Where we've went wrong in our industry is trying to compare our food or our labor cost to our competitors. Prime cost is the one that levels the field. That's the one that I need to focus on. When you're doing over a million or over 1.25 million in sales, your prime cost has the ability to drop and drop. So prime cost being all in on labor, beverage, and food, all your costs are good sold. I need to understand that number.
0: Mm-hmm. SSP,
1: SSP is a full scheduling system, full communication, recipe costing carts, inventory control. Smart Systems Pro, that's my absolute favorite. I, I love it, and
0: I'm behind it and trying to learn more about it every day than yeah. I do. Yeah, and uh, David Scott Peters, I man, he knows his stuff. He was a past guest, great guest. I think he's episode 142, 141, so recent. I'll link to that in the show notes, too, and I'll link back over to um, SSP as well for you guys in the show notes. Uh, all right. The next question I have for you is on the topic of uh, actually, it's just what is your best business advice? If you could go back to, um, that time when you were a teenager working in a hotel and you made the decision that you want to go into this industry, like if you could give yourself one piece of advice way back then, what would it be? It
1: would be the way that I hold my team accountable. It would be a three part system so that every single person understands what their job is, what their responsibilities are. The three-part system is checklists. Sounds simple, but it's for every single position, every single day, opening and closing, for your cooks, your bartenders, your hosts, your, your doormen, your managers. Then we go to the action list. That is what says, this is everything extra that I need from you this week. Can you please take care of these three, four, five items? for every employee, from your general manager all the way down. The third one is a responsibilities list. This is where, around the management team, around the manager meetings, we sit and say, who's in charge of smallwares? Who's taking care of ordering the liquor? Who does the food order? Who does the uniforms? Who manages the plants? Who takes care of the bathrooms? Who takes care of the, the Coke order or the Pepsi products? And we divide and conquer. So many times we're all working on the same things. Now to make that responsibilities and the action list work, you have to have manager meetings. Every single week, it doesn't matter. You don't bypass the manager meeting and that's where we talk about four different things during the manager meetings. I want everybody working on operations, financials, marketing and staff. That's what I need my management team focused on and when we understand what we're doing, then we pull in the 25 employees to help us get things done.
0: Wow. Awesome stuff, man. I can't think of a better way to, to close out the interview. Great actionable advice there. You've been awesome. I mean, is there any question that I could have asked you, Darren, that would have added more value to this interview?
1: A question to ask me. Uh, how about what is the root of great service?
0: What is the root of great service, Darren? I guess, and
1: I smile every time I think about this. It's four simple words that I defined as the root of great service. This has got nothing to do with average or okay or mediocrity. This is to do with great service. breaks down into four simple words. The first one is attentiveness. If you want to understand me as a guest, if you truly want to know what I need next, you've got to be in front of me and you've got to anticipate my needs. I don't want to flag down a server for a Diet Coke halfway through my meal. I want it just to magically appear without even knowing where you were. Mm -hmm. So You've got to be attentive. Service means you are in front of me. You are anticipating my needs. The next one is knowledge. To truly obtain great service, you have to know everything. You've got to know where that seventh screen on the POS is to modify this
0: particular (laughs) item
1: you've got to know the menu, you've got to know the wine menu if you're a a great restaurant driving on daily specials if I don't truly have the knowledge of the product, I'm not comfortable in front of guests talking about it, so I just kind of shy away and hope you don't ask me about the Pinot Grigio or what our wine by the glass program is or don't ask me what the soup is because I didn't even check today so knowledge is a big deal to make me feel comfortable at the table to properly do my job. The next one is passion. It has to come from the owners. It has to come from the management. They've got to realize that the team looks at them to engage that spark. And when chef is down in the dumps, everybody is down in the dumps. Oh, yeah. So you, you got to keep your eye on the passion think back five years to when you were planning the restaurant. Oh, I'm going to play this kind of music and all oh, my bruschetta sauce. They're going to love it. <laughs> your your staff has to feel that passion if they're going to do anything genuinely great. The last one is attitude. Attitude is its the cancer of our industry. It's what we see as guests and what we feel. Typically here, I now go into what the secret shopping scores mean to me repeating as a guest, but it's a big deal. You want to build your business? This is the freebie. You build it off a service. You don't have to spend another $15,000 in the next six months on a marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. You don't have to renovate your restaurant. You want to build your sales? Get to a secret shopping score, a guest experience score of 90 and above. What that means is that you've connected with me. You want me there. You know my name. You you truly care. You've shown me great service. Mm. I'm going to increase and increase my frequency.
0: Wow, um, all incredible stuff. What did you call this? The the, the secrets to service. The, the root of great service. The root the root of great service. Man, I, you've been incredible, Darren. Amazing guest. You've dropped so much knowledge on us. I mean, those are all my questions for you. We're going to wrap it up now. And we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's one indie restaurant professional? Somebody you admire in this industry that you believe would make a great guest mentor on the show. We're
1: wrapping up already? I was
0: just yeah. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, right? I
1: I guess because sales is such a big deal and what I'm seeing in the business right now is a good, strong foundation. The the good restaurants, the smart ones, are building sales right now. Things are definitely moving up. And the social media piece is such a a driving force of that. I'd like to call out Kyle Taylor from Patrons Plus. He's got a, a marketing technique that independent restaurants absolutely need he's got the the top 10 tips for driving business into your restaurant through the the internet and it's just some phenomenal stuff things that i thought i knew facebook and and social media and all these different avenues great and i sit and i listen to him and and i just get more and more and more so kyle taylor from patrons plus
0: Kyle Taylor from Patrons Plus. Look out, brother. I'm coming after you. Uh, I think you'd probably make a great guest for 30 Thursday. Maybe we'll tap into those top top 10 tips there. Uh, Darren, you've been incredible, man. Thank you so much. Let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. Uh, Maybe give us a little bit more information about what else you got going on if they're interested.
1: Absolutely. Really quick. We are Secret Shopping, Team Training, and Coaching. Secret Shopping restaurants right across the country. It's the, the way that you can understand what your guest perspective is. And honestly, nobody's doing the, the hospitality business like we are because we are hospitality. That's all we do. And we also just created, and we I, I tagged up with uh, David Scott Peters from, again, the Restaurant Expert. We created the Hospitality Excellence Award. What this is is a way for you to try to earn this award. So it's based on three secret shopping visits, and you get a phenomenal training package from David, which is the the ultimate restaurant training guide. And then if you score a specific level, you earn this new Hospitality Excellence Award. So we literally just kicked it off uh, last week. It, it's brand new, and hopefully some of your uh, listeners can try to earn it. They can visit servicewithstyle.com, and... For
0: that page directly, it's
1: forward slash
0: award. Awesome. That's what we got? Awesome, yeah. And if uh, you guys are interested in checking that out, or just checking out. Anything we discussed in today's episode, the books mentioned, the services mentioned, a recap of all the, I, you have my, you know, I have my work cut out for me. There's a lot of notes I'm going to have to make you. There's some great stuff in this interview, but it will all be at restaurantunstoppable.com slash Darren Dennington. Uh, you'll find a recap of everything discussed today. Darren, thank you again. One last time. There is no questioning, dude. You are unstoppable. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Eric. I really appreciate
0: having me. Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Darren Dennington just kicking some serious keister today with his knowledge, man. Wow, so much actionable advice. Not only did he give the advice, but he listed out the steps to take, guys, like... He's spoon-feeding us (laughs) answers to success. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you can think of any other restaurant professionals, indie restaurant professionals, that would make great guests on the show, whether an executive chef, a general manager, a consultant, uh, a career server who just knows their stuff, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'm always looking for mentors uh, to have on the show to make an example of, or shoot me A message on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm out there, guys. Just find me. uh, Always looking for the next guest. And don't forget to check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools for a complete list of all the books recommended from our past guests and a complete list of all the tools and services our guests use in their restaurants, which is helping them stay just a little bit more unstoppable. All right, that is all I have for you. Until next time, peace out, guys.